0: we have been traveling this road to freedom. And for those of you who have missed the first 3 weeks, all you got to do is go to the website. Every every sermon on the road to freedom is there. Last week, I shared with you that one of the big deals was that the church, the church, the institutional church has put you all in chains. And that we need to take those chains off. And if as if there wasn't enough proof of that, here comes this week where the uh, title of the sermon says, Your faith will set you free. Well, that's what it's about. But every time we hear that faith will set you free, it's never put in the proper context. You know, uh, Mark 7 is the story of the Phoenician woman. How many know the story of the Phoenician woman? Do you know that story? The one that gave the Huh? Nope. The Phoenician woman is the one that was just flat out. If there was anybody who was going to be hated in Jesus's time, she was it. This was mixed race. This was inner inner uh, racial sex. I mean, it was just all the stuff that was bad. All right, and all you get no to notes. yeah, every no no that you can think of. And Mark tells the story at the end of the chapter and I'm talking about it first just to get you set up because I want you to understand who this woman was Jesus after having an argument with the religious authorities about their authority goes to a house and it says in Mark that he went there to get away that he just wanted to relax and here's this woman This woman that he did not want to deal with, amen, he was Jewish, folks, he did not want to deal with mixed race issues, hello, now you all understand how that works today, right? You go to somebody in the city government right now and you talk to them about housing and the lack of housing that we have for people in this town and they will find anything to talk about except housing, amen? They'll tell you how difficult it is and all the laws and all that kind of stuff, won't they? They'll give you all kinds of stuff instead of just simply opening a shelter where people could go and get some of their dignity back. Well, this isn't any different. This woman heard about Jesus, and she goes into his house, where or not his house, but the house that he's visiting at, and she's got a daughter who is sick and she goes right up to the table. Now you all understand how this works, right? Women were not supposed to talk to the men in those days. Remember what was it you said before service? They told your wife she couldn't preach. Well, she couldn't talk either, back in the day. And she sat down and she says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. I need help. And Jesus said, Hey, I'm not here for you. not here for you. And basically, now for those of you who have been in church for a long time and don't like it when the pastor cusses, hang on to your seat for a second. Because basically what Jesus did was call her a bitch. You know how I know that? Stand in line and take your turn. The children doesn't get fed first. If there's left anything left over the dogs get it Mm. folks let's be real let's deal with what that language was all about Jesus did not want to deal with her and for those of you who have lived your life going oh my god Jesus loves everybody (laughs) because he's gone (laughs) another lie the church told you Jesus had to kind of learn into this messiahship and into this savior stuff. Because what does the woman say at that point? She looked at him as soon as she called her a dog, said, hey, even the dogs get the crumbs." Well, don't you know that Jesus was impressed? Because that meant that this was a woman of faith. She was a woman who was willing to stand up to God and say, hey, this is what I need. Even And even if you think, I'm not worth your time, dude, the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus' response was basically, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing at this point, my God, what faith? Go home. What you've asked for has happened. And it tells you at the end of the story, she gets home and finds out her daughter's fine. Amen? How does that compare... To the church that you've spent all your life in. You know, the church that tells you that there's an appropriate time to talk. That there's an appropriate time to say something. That there are things that you should be doing. And if you're not doing it, we're not going to give you communion. We're not going to let you preach. We're not going to let you do this, 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 and this. Folks, this story should tell you. That it is about your faith. It is about your relationship with God. If you belong to God, nobody else can touch you. Now, I gave you that whole setup. So that maybe these words to Jesus make sense now. In this story. The Pharisees. Along with some religion scholars who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples weren't being careful with ritual washings before meals. The Pharisees, Jews in general, in fact, would never eat a meal without going through the motions of ritual hand washing and especially vigorous scrubbing if they had just come from the market to say nothing of the scouring they would give jugs, pots, and pans. The Pharisees and the religion scholars asked, why do your disciples flout the rules, showing up at meals, without washing their hands? Okay, let's stop here for a minute. Can anybody give me an example of how this happens in the modern church? Don't go to confession until that, don't go to confession. Communion until after had your okay, there you go. That's one thing. If I yeah, showed up looking like this, it be like, Amen. Yeah, dude, you got a hoodie on. Wrong with that guy. <laughs> yeah, how can you not dress as well as you can possibly be? Walking through these doors. I remember, and I always tell this story. Yeah, you drive up in that car. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And you got people that that notice that stuff, don't they? I remember we had a uh, a member of this church when we were inside years and years ago. Uh, you folks, everybody here is new, with the exception of uh, a couple of us who knew Wolf. Wolf was a street person. Only got to shower once a week, over at nine ten, you know, and that was on Tuesdays. So by the time Sunday got here in the summertime, eh, it was a little rough. People wanted him to sit in the back of the church. I had him sit right up front. He became an acolyte. Even read scripture a couple of times, you know. And we had this person in this church who decided they wanted to clean him up. And so they brought in t-shirts, bought him t-shirts, and gave it to him. And he looked at the t-shirt, handed it back to the woman, and said, Thank you, but these are the wrong shirts. I can't wear white t-shirts. they got to be dark. And these are too big. The woman was infuriated. She was so pissed. She'd come up to me after church and spent 10 minutes before I could get a word in edgewise about this ungrateful, ingrate of a homeless person. Here, all she was trying to do was help him. And I looked at her and I said, he was honest with you. The white t-shirts when you're outside show the dirt. And secondly, have you not noticed how Wolf dresses? He's right out of the 60s, man. His clothes are painted on him. So, of course, that T-shirt is too big for him. You ought to be praising God that he was honest with you. It didn't just take your donation and throw it out. Because it didn't meet his need. Meet his need. Amen. But see, here's the problem. Because of just that passage alone. The churches have decided that they're in the business of fixing people, rather than meeting their needs. It is not about fixing people. It is finally about it is about meeting people where they're at and what does that need. And you know, I could, I could go down the list this morning. Not judge. Amen. It doesn't matter why you're here. Oh my, I could, yeah, Let's, let's go on. Jesus answered, much better than me, of course. Isaiah was right about frauds like you. He hit the bullseye, in fact. Tell me if you haven't heard this today. The people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their hearts aren't in it. They act like they're worshiping me. But they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command, and taking up the latest fads. (laughs) He went on. Well, good for you. You get rid of God's commands so you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. Moses said respect your father and mother and anyone denouncing father or mother should be killed but you weasel out of that by saying it's perfectly acceptable to say to the father or mother gift what I owe you I have given as a gift to God (laughs) thus relieving yourselves of an obligation to your father or mother you scratch God's word and scrawl and whim in its place you do all kinds of things like this And Jesus called out to the crowd that had gathered, listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It is not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It is what you vomit that is the pollution. And the disciples, when they got alone, asked him to explain. (laughs) I love Jesus at these points. Jesus says, are you being willfully stupid Don't you see that what you swallow can't contaminate you? It doesn't enter your heart, but your stomach. It works its way through your intestines and is finally flushed. That took care of the dietary quibbling. But Jesus was talking about all foods were fit to eat. He went on. It's what comes out of a person that pollutes. Obscenities, lust, theft, murder, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealing. Carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these come out of the heart. Okay, so let's have a serious conversation here, folks. What are you worried about most? You don't have to answer that, except with God. Because if you're worried about anything other than your relationship with God, and you got some chains that you need to kick off. If you're in a relationship with God, I have said this 100,000 times, I don't need a law to tell me not to steal. I know how I'm supposed to behave. I'm supposed to be fair and just and merciful and to walk humbly with God. What more do we need in this society? We certainly don't need a church telling us when we can have communion. We certainly don't need the church telling us whether or not we can preach. We certainly don't need the church telling us what clothes we can wear or whether we can dance, who we can love, or where we can go and be seen. It would be interesting to me, and I will end on this note, because it wouldn't be me, if I didn't leave you, was something that disturbed you. (laughs) How is it, folks, that if we love God with all our heart, And God loves us and is willing to forgive us for all those mistakes that we make. How is it that we can ever justify killing anybody? Oh, Pastor, you're talking about capital punishment? No. I'm talking about the people in Atlanta that will freeze to death people all over the world that are starving, the people who are being killed by United States airstrikes that have nothing to do with terrorism, the transgender folks that are being beaten to death simply because they're trying to be who they are. I want to know folks Is that the church that you think is going to set you free? The one that requires you to wash your hands, the one that requires you to dress a certain way, the one that requires you, the one that requires you to make a big production out of being born-again Christian when all God requires is that you want a relationship, and God will come find you. God bless you this morning.